Okay, we're going to go to the Word. Would you guys, like, put your hands toward me real quick and say, Help him, Jesus. Help him, Jesus. Help that guy up there with the white hair. Lord, mercy. Have help, mercy on that man. Help him. <laughs> help him. He needs help. Yeah, I sure do. Anybody speaking for God in this hour needs help. Last week... Uh, we had the privilege of having Brady Hope Wells uh, bring, bring their story to us. And actually, I went back this morning. I watched it Sunday night in Seward with my wife. We had a Father's Day camp out with all my kids. We had a wonderful time. Actually, this morning, I went back and was watching a part of it again. Um, and I, I was struck by several things. And I, but one thing I want to put out this morning is Hope went into this emotional time, powerful time. I should say passionate time more than emotion, passionate time, when she was calling out the church. And we've gone through a season where the Lord has been telling us, you can't go to church. Church is not something you attend. I mean, all of this pandemic thing, I don't believe the virus is from heaven, but I believe the Lord wants to use it for good. Anybody agree with that? And he's been driving this thing home that church is not something you go to, it's not something you attend, it's not something you watch, it's, it's who you are. And, and she went into this point, she said, we are the ones that are here to change the earth, we need to do better, I'm paraphrasing. We're to affect change for good. If things aren't going well, it's our fault, we're not doing our job. That was pretty strong. But she's right. She's right. Because the Lord delegated us to be his representatives to bring his kingdom on earth. We're the chosen ones. We're the light of the world. We're the preservative, the salt of the earth. And it's really time for the church right now. I believe that God is doing something in the church so something will come out of the church that's different. I really believe that with all my heart. I, I don't, I'm not seeing that, even though these are turbulent times, and there's a lot of turmoil, and I would even say um, that it, it's, so, it's so destructive, and we're so, so shaken, that we could be traumatized. We could be traumatized. Us here in the United States, we have not gone through stuff like this, at least not my generation of people. Other countries have gone through this kind of shaking, but we haven't, I haven't. And it's something new, and, and I know that we are supposed to have a voice in this hour, but how many of you know so much of our voices are not necessarily pure with what comes out? And what the Lord is asking of the church is humble ourselves right now. Chris Valentin had a word at the beginning of this. He said, the way forward is humility. And so this is an hour for the church to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways so that when we speak out, we're speaking what he's speaking. We need to speak what Jesus, what God is speaking right now. T.D. Jakes is an African-American preacher, and I've been, I've been really leaning in because this is a season for the church, the Caucasian church, to be quiet and listen and learn to still our voices, to be careful what we speak, and to listen and to learn. And I, so I've been leaning in to other voices, especially African-American pastors, and hearing what they're saying. And one of the things he said right now, he said, when reasonable people grow silent, unreasonable people take over. 
And that's what we're seeing happening. And, and yet, I got to be honest with you. I'm like, I'm not sure sometimes what I'm supposed to say in this hour. And that's why it's really important. And I also know that there's an agenda to silence the church. And, and so right now is a real time where we need to lean in for the voice of God, be confident that we've heard his voice when we speak something that's pure and true and full of love. One thing I know for sure is Jesus is on the throne. He's not shaken. He's not surprised. He's not worried. And we need to anchor into his kingdom, his uh, purposes, and his ways right now. And, uh, and so, Lord, I do pray right now for those who are watching, for those in this room. God, give us ears to hear what you're saying. God, help us to navigate what is true and what is not true. What has contaminated our hearts? What we thought was right that maybe not be right. Lord, I pray for your help, that you would help us to humble ourselves in this hour. In Jesus' name, let us go to your word. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. When we got into Romans chapter 12, we decided we're going to stay in this book. It was for a reason. And one of the reasons is because it ends up with do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome with evil. This is where it ends up. See, the book of Romans is written to the saints in Rome. Rome was a city of about a million people. And um, it, it would about 10 square miles. So if you drive from Palmer to Wasilla, that's 13 miles. So come back three miles and then square it, and that's 10 miles. They had a million people in, in 10 miles. And um, the Roman Empire, of course, was huge, and it was turbulent, and it was, it was violent, and there were slaves, and there was a lot of ugly stuff that went on in Rome. And, and Paul is speaking to the saints in Rome, verse 7, chapter 1. He says, to the saints. Saints are people who are called out to be like God, who are made holy by him, set apart. And so that, the, the book of Romans is written to the Rome citizens who are saints, and citizens of heaven, but also citizens of Rome. We are citizens of heaven first. Secondly, we're citizens of America, Right? And we are to be in this place where we overcome evil with good. Now, we uh, last week, um, uh, Hope again said we begin in Romans chapter one by going to the altar. So, it's a daily thing, isn't it? Take our lives, a living sacrifice. Here it is. It's the only smart thing we can do. Really, is say, I want to live for you. I want to be your bond servant. I don't want to live for myself. You've captured me with your love. I want to give my life unto you to live for you. At the altar, and then Romans chapter 2, I want to jump back there for just a moment. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like the world. Don't talk like the world. Don't walk like the world. Don't love the world in the sense of your affections are to the world, earthly things. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by thinking my thoughts, by renewing your mind, right? Why? Why? So that you may prove the will of God, that which is acceptable, good, and perfect. That you can prove the will of God, you guys. You're on the earth to prove the will of God. 
What does that mean? I, I think that the easiest way um, to capture um, what is the will of God is in the prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, where he says, Pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, how be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he goes on in another place, says he gives us the keys to the kingdom. We're to bind on earth what has been bound in heaven and loose on earth what has been loosed in heaven. So we're his delegated authority to make changes. And, you know, we've used this verse to talk about there's no cancer in heaven, so we know we have authority to speak healing over people who have cancer, right? We've used this scripture. But it's way bigger than just miracle signs and wonders. It's the culture of heaven. And bringing that culture into America or whatever nation you live in, it's taking that culture and bringing it here. In that culture, every tribe, every tongue, every nation is accepted celebrated is accepted and celebrated there is no racism of any sort in heaven every tribe tongue color or nation is celebrated accepted and loved unconditionally in heaven and that's what we're moving towards if if that is where we're going our job as christians to represent jesus and his realm is to go after that here it's our assignment. And so in this hour, one of the things the Lord is saying is, you first search your own heart. Is there one cell of racism in you? One cell. But there's two ways that we know we can find. When we judge other people because of their pigment of their skin or their national descent, we have any judgment, that's racism. If we think less of anybody, and value them less because of the pigment of their sin or their nation or their origin, uh, national origin. That's racism. And right now it's the time for me. I know I am like God. If I have any of that in me, show it to me. I want to repent. I don't want that stuff in me. I can't change it out here if it's still in here. And this isn't just for white people to do. This is for black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, people of all races are to be going through this time of introspection. Is there any racism in me? Not to think higher of ourselves. We had such an awesome privilege of listening to Freddie Hope. I'm so thankful for their courage. I called them the day before and just, just encouraged them to say, you guys, we need you right now. The church needs you. Northgate needs you. We need you to be vulnerable and share your story with us. I know, I know it took courage. I know Hope at that moment was saying, I don't want to do it. Uh, she said, I don't want to do it. I said, Hope, we need you to. You're a bridge builder. And if the kingdom of God is going to be manifest at Northgate, Alaska, then we are going to be, a, we're not going to have any racism in our culture. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so my, my dream, my vision, I, honestly, as a pastor, as a shepherd, I mean, I would love to have every tribe, tongue, and nation, diversity of races in our church. I wish it wasn't so white. I, I wish we had the, more passion like hope has. I, I wish we had more of that in our church. Um, we need that to become complete. Does, do you guys understand? 
It's, we need that culture to impact us. We need our culture to impact them. An ethnically diverse, unified congregation, a place where all people are welcomed, appreciated, and celebrated on earth as it is in heaven. Can you guys say that with me? On earth as it is in heaven. This is, how we, this is one of the ways we overcome evil with good. I want to jump down to verses 9 through 11. If you open your Bibles there, verse 12, chapter 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor or hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. The idea of the word diligence actually means effort with urgency. Effort with urgency. We're in a season that we need to put effort with urgency into, into our nation, into, in prayer, into breaking the racial divide. The, the political arena is craziness. We have to be urgent with urgency praying right now, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That word let love, love, of course, is that word of agape. We've talked a lot about the word agape. It's my favorite word because I think it's the Bible's favorite word. I think it's God's favorite word. I mean, he likes faith and he likes hope, but he says love surpasses them all. It's agape. Can you guys say agape? Okay. Agape is, I'm say it again, is an, un- is an unconditional commitment. It has emotions attached to it sometimes, but sometimes there's no emotion. It's just a decision to be made. Unconditional commitment to the highest good of another person. That means love is not about me, it's about you. It's not to advance my cause. If, if I do things for my wife to advance my cause, which I've been guilty of, you know, that's manipulation. I've said this before. Lo- love is thinking about your good. I could come and preach here and think about my good, and I'm going to try to be popular with you. And that's not love. That's selfish ambition. Do you... And, and it's actually devilish. And so we have to, to be the loving people that God's called us to be, we have to rid ourselves of selfishness. Supernatural, or agape is supernatural. It comes from the heaven. It's not something we muster up. It's actually the heart of the Father speaking it to us so we have it to give, right? And so this, do not lo- let love be without, without hypocrisy, means hypocrisy is the idea of acting or pretending, I'm going to act like I love you. But genuinely, I'm thinking about me. And, and this is where the church has something to give that nobody else has to give. Something to demonstrate that nobody else has to demonstrate. That love be without hypocrisy. Of course, Jesus on the cross is the example of that. That he sought our highest good, sacrificed his highest good for our highest good on the cross. And I just want to say, love always looks like something. And last week, we were introduced to the suffering, some of the suffering that Freddie and Hope and their family have experienced at the hands of injustice and racism. And it's uncomfortable. Can I just say something? Tanner said this week to me, he says, it's no longer an opportunity or time for convenient Christianity. But that's how we've lived. 
We're in an all-out war, but we don't live like it most of the time. It's uncomfortable to sit and think that people of my color hurt people of, of their color, you know, without mercy. And I think, God, how can this be? How can this be? And it's uncomfortable. How many of you know some feels uncomfortable right now? Love looks like something. And so when Freddie and Hope are, they're actually just an example of many people. We have to stop and love looks like something. We weep with those who weep. T.D. Jake said something this week that just really caught me. He says, there can be no change until you join hands with us. Until you are struck with our pain. If you haven't fellowshiped with me over my sufferings. I'm going to say that again. If you haven't fellowshiped with me over my sufferings, dare you judge me for my anger. How do we overcome evil with good? It says, Romans 12, 9 says, Abhor, abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. There's a whole several messages about this idea of evil that could be said. We know that evil um, is not, does not come from God. Everybody agree with that. God is good. There's no evil that comes from God. We know the Bible describes the devil as the evil one. Many times throughout the scripture, the evil one, the prince of the power of this air, is trying to establish his government on the earth. Jesus is using the church to establish his government, and that's the war. And the evil one is the one that influences people to do evil things. So we know in John chapter 10, probably the best way for us to be able to describe or be able to identify evil is, is the simple verse. I try to keep things simple so I can understand it because I'm simple. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. The thief is the evil one. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So when we see killing, stealing, destroy, we know it's the influence of what? The evil one. So it's very quickly and easy for us to identify George Floyd's death as evil. Right away, when we see, and I, I wasn't one that wanted to watch it. I don't like to watch ugly things. I, I hate to watch ugly things, but I decided I needed to go back and actually watch it so I could identify with the pain of my brothers and sisters. When you see a man's life being snuffed out, you know, it, it's, it, you should be so quick to say, that's wrong. That's evil. I hate that. When we see people destroying property and looting and stealing and destruction and burning buildings and, and killing cops, which the media doesn't talk about, but many cops have been killed since the George Floyd killing, the media doesn't talk about it. All that we have to understand is evil. And, and people of all colors need to join hands and call out, that's evil. That's evil. That's not from God. That is an influence by the power of darkness. And what I find so, and this I'm, I, this, I'm being vulnerable here. 
What I find so interesting in my own life even, I thought about this the other day, when, when, when black people point the finger at white supremacists, what I find often is the white people point it at Marxist groups or Antifa. And so we have white people, I'm talking about pastors, calling out white supremacists, or black people calling out white supremacists, white pastors calling out Antifa. You see the racism in that? What needs to happen is the black pastors need to stand up and say Antifa and the, and the bad stuff that's coming out of black, black Lives Matter. That bad stuff's coming out of that. That's evil. And the white pastors need to stand up and say white supremacy is of the devil and is evil. And the two voices need to join. The, the voices need to join and point out evil as evil. And, and then we start dealing with racism. But if we point at the other side, oh, that's the problem. That's the problem. We're, not, we're just propagating the same thing. As African-American believers and Caucasian believers and all God's children and all races, if we represent heaven well, we are to, in one accord, with one voice, Call out that which is evil, evil, and declare that which is good, good, and not have a mixture. Is there any amens in the room? Otherwise, we will be conformed to this world. We'll continue to be divided. We'll continue to argue over who the problem is. We'll debate governmental ideologies. And the elephant in the room right now is politics. And I am so hesitant right now to say anything about politics. And I'm not going to say much, much, except I have come to the place where I believe our government is messed up and both parties are to fault, not just one. And, and I love what Fr Freddie said last week. I'm not of the left. I'm not of the right. I'm of the kingdom of God. And we need to navigate that. This is a difficult season for us to navigate that. But we need to navigate that. White evangelicals need to navigate that. African Americans need to navigate that. And it takes kingdom revelation, examining my heart, examining my thought processes, and renew my mind with the thoughts of God. Or otherwise, we'll reproduce what we already seen. And we, and we know, I love what Priscilla Shire, she's an African American preacher. I, I love to hear her when she's talking. She says, I'm going to say it, tell you right now, Jesus is coming back, but he's not riding a donkey and he's riding an elephant. He's coming back to take over, and you better be on his side. And that's one of the things that has really been getting me recently and reminding me of Joshua 5. Remember, Joshua was commissioned by the Lord to take the promised land and take Israelite across the Jordan River and and to go into this land and, and to fight the powers of darkness in the land, to take over the land and and he comes up to the enemy in Jericho, and these mighty armies are opposed to, to Israel and Joshua. And all of a sudden, this angelic person shows up. Some people think the epiphany, a, a pre-Christ coming. Anyway, he shows up with a sword in his hand, and it's drawn. You guys remember the story. And, and Joshua says, are you for us? Or are you for the enemy? And do you guys remember how he responds? 
He said, no, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? And this is what the captain of the Lord of hosts had to say to Joshua. And I believe this is what the captain of the Lord of the hosts is telling the church right now. Remove your sandals from your feet for your unholy ground. I believe that the Lord is calling the church into a holy convocation. That's a decision-making time where Jesus and the church is going to make a decision about what the earth looks like for the future. And we're going to operate and move from his voice. And some of what we thought was right, he's going to show us is wrong. And some of what we thought was wrong, he's going to show us was right. And this is the season to renew our minds. It's a season to take off our sandals and say, Holy God, we need you. We need you. Heaven and hell are both waiting to see what the church is going to do. What is God's delegated authority going to do together? Will we be united and glorify God with one voice? By our love for one another, all men will know. Romans 12 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That means God's family love. Giving preference to one another in honor. Honor people who are different than we are. Do we think higher of ourselves than we ought? We are part of Christ's body on the earth. And we need people that are different than us. You know, I can tell each one of you in the room that the body of Christ needs you. For the body of Christ to be who the body of Christ was created to be, you have to be you. You have to be free to be you. You have to be fully you. We need other ethnic groups in our house. We need them. Freddie and Hope, we need you, and we need your kids. Felisa, Magdal, we need you. We need, we need other people who are not like us for us to be complete for the revelation of Jesus, we need other types of people, and we, we need to listen and learn. We're in a listening and learning time. I love Bill Johnson's definition of honor. I spoke about it on Mother's Day. Honor is celebrating someone for who they are without stumbling over who they are not. In other words, everybody has strengths. Everybody has weaknesses, and we value people for their strengths, and we are blind to their weaknesses unless God tells us to speak the truth in love, right? Is it possible for the church to get, us, get it right in this hour? I believe it is. I totally believe it is. I believe the Lord is doing some deep work in the church right now. I love to, exp- I love to get testimonies of how, where God is showing up. Uh, one is, I got a picture of a man named Dalen McClee. And uh, David, David, Dalen McClee has experienced unjust uh, behavior from cops and the law system. He spent one year unjustly in jail, away from his family and children for being wrongly accused and indicted for a crime he did not commit. And he, and he has faced other times where, where he has not been, he's been mistreated uh, by the law enforcement. And uh, this particular instance was actually the mob who went through, a cop his car had been turned over, it was set on fire, and a cop was still in the, uh, unconscious in the car. 
And Dalen McLee came along, and this is what he says. There is value in every human life. We are all children of God. I can't imagine just watching anyone burn. No matter what other people have done to me or other officers, I thought, this guy deserves life and deserves to be home safely with his family. And he pulls him out from the car, risking his own well-being. This is Jesus showing up in our time. We have examples of that happening right now. I want, to, I want to turn the corner just a little bit and finish with another thought process. It's something actually Jason and I ended up talking about yesterday because it's been on my heart. People have been asking me, is this the end times? And, and I'm, you know, I'm a Bible scholar, so I know exactly what I think. <laughs> Even if I was a Bible scholar, I think I don't know what I would think. I would say we're getting very close. But every generation has said that, haven't they? It feels very close. And this is what the end times is described like. Because lawlessness is increased, Matthew 24, 12. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, I think we're seeing in the streets of our cities right now lawlessness. I don't, I don't know if it's going to get over. I mean, we all want things to go back. But I'm not guaranteeing that it will. How, are we, how then are we going to live? We're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And we're not... Everybody say not. We're not going to let our love grow cold. You see, because what happens when lawlessness increases, fear increases. And when fear increases, love is diminished. Because love and fear war against each other. And so if I'm in a place of fear, I can't love you. I can only love you if I have no fear. I'm going towards you. And so this is the season where the Lord is calling the church your number one assignment is to abide in my love so you can give my love away. That's your number one assignment, church. Abide in my love so you can give my love away. Lawlessness is going to release fear into the atmosphere, but love is going to release the kingdom into the atmosphere. And everybody said amen? All right, here's one more thing, last thing. And I, I probably will spend more time on this even next week. God has really been uh, convicting me of my own self-centered ways, selfish ways, selfish ways of thinking, incorrect thinking. I should say better, more incorrect thinking. Um, during one of the seasons of, of prayer, I was praying, and, and the Lord uh, you know, prompted me because I actually been complaining. How many of you know complaining attracts the wrong side? Praise and thanksgiving attracts heaven. Complaining attracts hell. And I was complaining about a person. Her name was Nancy Pelosi. And, and I was complaining about her, and the Lord convicted me. And he, he said, don't complain, pray. And I, did, I said to him, I said, I don't feel like it. He said, I didn't ask you to feel like it. So here, here's the thing, church. For you and I to be effective as believers in this hour, we have to become 
serious about the assignment as ambassadors of reconciliation. That's our number one assignment, is to bring reconciliation to God and to people. Number one assignment. If we have judgment and accusation in our hearts, we can't fulfill it. I did not want to learn the name of the man that killed George Floyd. I didn't want to learn his name. I watched it. I wanted to write him off. I, want, I, didn't want, I want him to get justice. If he goes to hell, and immediately Jesus says, what are you thinking? What is wrong with your thought processes? I died for his sin just like I died for your sin. How can you condemn a man because of sinful behavior? When if, you, if he's condemned, you're going to be condemned. As you judge, you will be judged. Church, are you hearing me? I see the things happen in Seattle and the burning, the looting, and cops' cars being turned over, and, and I feel like going, damn them. And the Lord says, who the heck are you representing right now? Are you, are you hearing me? If, if we're going to be ministers of reconciliation, we learn the name of Derek Chauvin, and we pray for mercy over his soul. We pray for mercy over those looters and the people of, of bringing anarchy into our cities. We pray mercy over them. We ask for an encounter with the love of the Father. We pray that deception and the blinders would be moved from their eyes, that Jesus would come and sa save their souls from hell. The church is pleading out right now for people's souls to be saved. This is our mission. And if we partner with the accuser, partner with judgment as his delegated authority, we're bringing more of hell into the United States than heaven. Are, are you with me? And so, Lord, God, I wasn't here last week, but I wish I had been. Hope and Freddie, you guys come up here. Brenda, would you come here? We're just going to do something prophetically. I didn't warn them. That's okay. Holy ground, yeah. Yeah, come on up here. This is just a prophetic. This is just a prophetic act, okay? And, and I know, actually, we should be opposite. Let's get in between each other. No, Brenda, you get in there. That's, that's the way we want to do it. That's the way the picture was, right? The hands showing each other? No, we're representing. We're asking the Holy Spirit to represent to the world a united church that he would cleanse us from any racial thoughts that we have in our brains, heal our hurts, heal our pains, give us his heart for all people with no reservations. Lord, we stand together arm in arm and asking Jesus be known in this hour through your church. And Brenda and I bless Freddie and Hope as ambassadors of Christ. They are a gift to Northgate, Alaska. They are a gift to America. And we bless them, we receive them, and we celebrate everything about them. And we hold our arms with them, and we cry, we weep with the pain they've walked through. And we say, Jesus, we're asking for change. We're asking for change. We're on the earth for change. So may your kingdom come. And you will be done. And I, I just really, you know, I told Freddie and Hope this when I prayed for him. I want their kids to be as free as they would be in an all-black church at Northgate.
So, Lord, we're asking for heaven at Northgate. And we bless what you're doing in this hour. In the powerful name of Jesus, our Messiah and Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. We love you guys. Stand. If you put your hands in front of you, put your hands in front of you. Lord, you've anointed your sons and your daughters in this hour. You've anointed them to preach good news to the poor. You've anointed them to bring sight to the blind. You've anointed them to bind up the brokenhearted. You've anointed them to set captives free. Jesus, you came and did those things as an example, and then you said, all authority has been given to me, now you go. And so, Lord, today I come into agreement as your people. We're in mission with you to change our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless one another. Encourage one another. Love on each other.